0: Christmas. Let me be hopefully not the first to tell you Merry Christmas. It's so beautiful to see everybody in this house today. All the kids are in here. We don't get to see the kids very often. And it's good to know that uh, we do have parents in this church that have children. So that's good. And uh, I just want to welcome you today. You know, it is Christmas. We are knee deep in the Christmas season. And, uh, you know, it's a time for getting together with family and and eating too much food and and, uh, shopping online mostly now. Praise God for that. And, uh, you know, it's just, a, it's just a great time for us to come together. And, uh, you know, the thing about Christmas is that it is all about Jesus. Amen. It is all about Jesus. I'm so excited to be part of a church where we're just celebrating Jesus. He is the reason we're here. He's the reason I'm here today. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Christmas story that we see in Luke 2... Uh, is something you hear pretty much every year if you're in, in church. You know, you come to church, we always hear the story in Luke 2 of the birth of Jesus and how the angel came to the shepherds. And you know, the angel, the first thing he told the shepherds was, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He says, I've got really, really good news. Anybody here like hearing good news? I love good news. This angel saying, you don't have to be afraid because I've got good news. It's going to bring great joy to the people, to all the people. He says, because today in the town of David, a Savior has been born not just anybody not just a really good person that's going to grow up to be a president or a king but a savior you know the world didn't know it at the time but they needed a savior pretty badly and we still need him today don't we We need this savior and it is so wonderful to know that we have a god that 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 wasn't okay with us being separated from him he said i'm gonna i'm gonna come down there and i'm gonna make a way i'm gonna i'm gonna bridge the gap between you and me so that you can have a relationship with me what a powerful message we have you know and the prophet isaiah said for unto us a child is born us not not them us for everybody for unto us a child is born and it says the government will be upon his shoulders and he will be called the wonderful counselor the mighty god the everlasting father and the prince of peace that's a powerful message that's who this jesus is that we're celebrating today his birth over two thousand years ago what a wonderful thing and, you know, the, the thing about Christmas is it's different than any other holiday that we celebrate. You know, in, in this country, it's, it's about getting together with family. You know, sometimes begrudgingly, you know, we have to put aside differences sometimes and spend time together with our family. And I can't get through a Christmas without remembering uh, one that I had back when I was a child. I was, I was either 11 or 12. And my whole family went down to Mississippi. I have an aunt and uncle down there. And I have a pretty big extended family. We all went down. And I don't know how many of there must have been 50 of us at this house. I don't know how we fit in. I remember sleeping under the kitchen table at night. That's how many of us were in the house. And, uh, but it was so much fun. We were having a blast for kids because he had a lot of land. We were out there running and playing and playing baseball. And I don't, we did all kinds of stuff. It was just, we were living the life. And it was, I remember thinking this is the best Christmas ever. Nothing's ever going to beat this until Christmas morning. Everything changed because we got up, everything was normal and uh went outside started playing and all of a sudden I I noticed all the adults were in the back of the house gathered around something and so us kids you know we stopped playing and ran over to see what was going on because we got to see what's got everybody out here and I pushed my way through the crowd and, and saw that there was these cages sitting there with full of these cutest little fluffy white bunny rabbits cutest little things I'd ever seen I was I'd never seen a rabbit before you know I didn't grow up in the city but I sure didn't grow up on a farm and so I'd never seen a rabbit. I was like, wow, these are the cutest things. No wonder they're all gathered here, you know? Well, then the trauma started because my uncle opened the cage and took one of those rabbits. And uh, let's just say he, he expired, this rabbit, very abruptly and quickly. And he dressed it and hung it up. And before I could even gather my breath, he reached in and grabbed another one, and did the same thing. He did it to a third one and a fourth one. And he's doing it. And he's so callously doing this to these rabbits. And I'm looking around going, what's happening here? My, my uncle's a psychopathic killer. Like, what's he going to do when he runs out of rabbits? He's going to turn on us? And I'm sitting there, my aunts and uncles are all just sitting there talking and laughing, and having a good time. And I'm thinking, am I the only one that sees what's happening here? This is a massacre. And uh, I was so traumatized. I mean, I remember my, my, mom, my mouth was just hanging open. And I just couldn't believe it. I'd never seen anything like that. And... Uh, Well, and I thought it couldn't get any worse, but it did Because about, you know, a few hours later We're sitting down for Christmas dinner And I'm sitting there and my mom puts a plate in front of me And I look down at that plate and I said, what is that? And she said, uh, it's chicken My mom lied to me I said, that is not chicken, that's Bugs Bunny and I'm not eating it And uh, she said, oh yes you are and at this stage of my life, I was still afraid of my mom, so I did my best to eat it. And uh, as you could tell, I've still not got over the trauma. I'm shaking right now talking about it. You know, it was, it was pretty rough. Uh, but but it was still a great Christmas memory. We talk about his family all the time, just how how, how uh, traumatic that was for us. But um, you know, we're making memories. Christmas is the time to make memories. Everybody's got things they remember about Christmas, and uh, you know, but but Christmas is the one time of year that lying is is condoned. It's actually somewhat encouraged. You know, we we there's there's a deception that comes with gift giving. That's just it's okay. Jesus is good with it, you know, because we kind of hide gifts. We gotta we got when someone gives you a gift, you have to act like you like it even when you don't. And you know you're gonna take it. You're 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 casually trying to figure out where it came from so you know where to take it back. Um, you know, you you might lie about your aunt's cooking and say it's really great when it's really not. Uh, or you might lie about your grandpa's tacky Christmas sweater and say it's, it's great, Grandpa, when you know it's horrible. Uh, we, we do a lot of lying at Christmas, you know. But, but the, the thing about Christmas is that there's a, there, you know, it's celebrated all over the world. It's not just here in the U.S. I, I actually lived in Northwest Africa for a year, and during Christmas season, even there, there was Christmas stuff everywhere, and it was really great. And it's wonderful that we celebrate Christmas. But, you know, there's a lot of deception even in, in our world as far as what Christmas is really about. You know, a lot of people, for a lot of people, that Christmas is just about Santa Claus and gifts and, and uh, you know, maybe coming together and eating turkey, uh, hopefully not rabbit, just turkey. And, um, and, and, you know, maybe singing Christmas carols and, and peace and joy and, and you know, all that, that good Christmas spirit, that good feel. Uh, but in reality, Christmas, the truth of Christmas, is about the beginning of the greatest story that has ever come upon mankind. Amen? The absolute greatest story. That we have ever experienced in life And uh, you know To go beyond that I believe that, that there, there are lies That have been told about Jesus Ever since the night he was born Ever since he was born There have been lies told about him Trying to keep people from really following him And you know those lies That come from the enemy There's an enemy of your soul That's just as real as Jesus is And he, his name is Satan, he's the devil And you may, have been, you may think that he's just this fictional character But he's real and he is doing everything he can do to keep us from experiencing the goodness of God and experiencing the power that comes from that birth that we're celebrating today. And he would do whatever he can to keep us from celebrating that. You know, the, uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 9, verse 2, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. The, the light that has come for those of us in darkness, this is Jesus. He, he is the light of the world. He is the one that comes to shed light into the darkness, to, to push the darkness out so that we can live in the light that he designed for us to live. But there are lies that are being perpetrated in our lives every day to keep us from believing that promise, from believing the beauty of what Jesus did for us. It's not always easy to believe the truth, is it? Sometimes the lies seem more, more prevalent. Sometimes the lies, the lies seem more like truth than the actual truth does. And we have to choose whether or not We're going to believe that. So I would ask you today a simple question. What are the lies that you have believed?
1: Frank Scott, I've been coming to New Hope's uh, for 18 years now.
2: I'm Linda Hand. I've been coming to New Hope for about 30 years. Childhood for me was like um, it was a very difficult thing. When I was uh, three months old, my father left our home. Um, actually, my mother left my father because. He was physically abusive to her. So therefore my, my mother married my stepfather and he was in our lives and he was abusive. And I have very early memories of sexual abuse. And I was abused from every major male role model in my life.
1: I was only required to go to church as a child. Um, for daycare purposes really, because they couldn't leave me at home. When I was old enough to stay home by myself, I was no longer required to go to church. And I pretty much stopped at that point. It wasn't anything other than a way to spend a Sunday morning and Christmas Eve and Easter. That's really all it became. It had no value to me whatsoever. But growing up and going through young adulthood, I I didn't want to go to college. So I joined the army and it got me out into the world. um, And I became self-sufficient. Um, no longer needing the help of others. And God was the furthest thing from my mind for a long time, I said, other than the fact that on Sundays I could get out of, of things in the army by going to church.
2: When I was uh, about 12, I uh, began to smoke cigarettes, and which led into smoking pot and drinking. And those were things I tried to do to mask and, and hide some of the things that that. Were spoken over me and because I felt worthless. I believed in my life that I was no good. I believed that, that nobody could possibly love me. My father left when I was three months old. Every person in my life didn't seem to love me. Nobody cared for me and nobody took care of me. So I began to do things that were just terrible and, and life just continued to spiral out of control because I didn't believe that I was worth loving. I didn't believe that, that anybody could care for me.
1: I, think I was very much into my own independence and my own strength in being able to get things done. I, did, I didn't need that, but I very much needed the approval of other people. The lies that I believed were that the approval of women and people was more important than Pleasing my God. And I would do or say pretty much anything I had to in order to get that. So it it caused me to make choices that I didn't believe were right. It caused me to uh, turn my back on other relationships I had because another person didn't like them. I was literally a slave to another person and completely separated from any happiness or love that I could get from Jesus.
0: So what are the lies you have believed? You know, there, like I said, there is an enemy of your soul that loves nothing more than to keep you in the bondage, to keep you in the deception, to not understand or not believe what Jesus did for you. You know, the Bible tells us in John 10.10 10, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his purpose. And you're on his hit list. You're a target of his. Whether you are, would call yourself a Christian today or whether you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, He doesn't discriminate. You're on his hit list. He wants to ultimately destroy us. He wants to keep us separate from God. That's the only way he can destroy us is to keep us separated from our God and not walking in and receiving the free gift that God gives us when we come to him. That's his plan. That's his hope for each and every one of us. See, it's it's easy for us to think that the devil is like the boogeyman. You know, we have this visual and I say, what does the devil look like? We have this visual of what we've seen in cartoons. You know, he's red, he's got the horns coming out of his head, he's got a pointy tail. I don't know why he has to have a pointy tail, that's weird. But he's got a pointy tail, supposedly, and a pitchfork. And, uh, you know, he's hiding in the shadows, in the corners, waiting for us to, to, to come into place where he can jump on us, where he can get us, and where he can destroy us, as the word says. But that's not what he does. That's not his tactic. The enemy's tactic is not to come at us physically, it is to come against our mind. That's his power. See, he can't stop anything that whatever Jesus did for us is, is infinitely times more powerful than anything the enemy could ever do. So all he can do is try to keep us from walking in that. All he can do is keep us from trying to or try to keep us from receiving that gift because it is a gift. You know, Jesus was the greatest gift ever, but then he, by his life and his death and his resurrection, gives us the gift of grace. Saying, okay, you don't have to be perfect because I was perfect for you. So if you'll receive this gift, you'll walk with me, you'll know me, you'll be in relationship with me, and you're ultimately going to be with me in eternity one day. And all that the enemy can do in our lives is to keep us from believing that because then we are walking in bondage. We're keeping ourselves from the freedom that Jesus came to bring us. The Apostle Paul said in, in Galatians 5.1, he said, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. That is such a powerful statement. When that actually sunk into my spirit, it changed my life. Because you, you think, okay, Jesus came to set us free. We, we hear that. We know that. Why did he want to set us free? That, ber- that verse there from Paul literally just says, just for freedom's sake. He just wants us to be free because that's how he designed us. He didn't design us to be in our own prison. He didn't design us to be in chains and in bondage. He designed us to be free. And so for freedom's sake, he came to set us free. It's pretty powerful. It's pretty amazing. That's how much he loves us that's that's why he came to this earth that's why we celebrate this jesus and there there are so many lies that we believe that keep us from that and nothing makes the enemy happier and i want to just there's a couple of the uh, lies that in my head they stick out and i think probably resonate with us whether you're a christian today or whether you're not a christian that that things in our head that keep us from what god wants for us and i think the first one is that i'm not good enough that's a lie to think that I'm just not good enough. There's no way God could love me. Linda on the, on the screen there just said, I didn't feel like anybody could love me. Every man in my life treated me horribly and abused me. How, how could anyone love me? And God can't love me if I'm not good enough. You know, there's nothing in me that would make him want to love me. I, I, I've disappointed God my whole life. Maybe you've made so many mistakes. Maybe you've been into so many things and done so many things wrong you just think there's no way that God could really love me and forgive me and bring me into his family. It just couldn't happen. Or maybe you had parents that, that you know to get their love you had to kind of live up to a standard it was kind of a performance based love that they they gave you and they kind of withheld it if you didn't do the right things and so you kind of think that's how God is too you know God can only love me if I come up to this standard that he has for me and so and I've never met that standard so I know God doesn't love me maybe that's the lie that you believed maybe you believe that you're just the opposite that you are good enough because that's a lie too none of us are good enough it's about receiving the gift that he gives us. But you may think, yeah, I'm not a bad person. You know, the movies Hollywood tells us, you know, if you die, if you're a good person, you die, you go to heaven. I mean, we've all seen the movie Ghost. You know, he, he got to go to heaven because he was a good guy. You know, and so we, we can easily get trapped into that thinking too, thinking, you know what, I've never heard anybody else. So why wouldn't God just let me go to heaven too? You know, you can get get caught up in the idea of humanism, which is an epidemic in our society today. And it basically means that the end of life or the meaning of life is for the happiness of man. If it makes you happy, if it makes you feel good, do it. As long as you're not hurting anyone else, go ahead and do it. It's fine. You know, God's just really good. Everybody's going to get to go to heaven. God wouldn't send anybody to hell. He's a loving God. He's a loving father. He wouldn't do that to us. So we're all good. But that's a lie. You may think you may believe the lie that God can't help me, you know. He just can't help me. And the mess I'm in, nobody could help me. God's just not going to do it. You know, he's some, he's, he's out in the cosmos somewhere. He does not have time for little old me. He can't help me. He can't fix my situation. He can't, he can't bring me into, into relationship with him because he's just a distant God. You know, he created everything, but then he just kind of stepped back and he's watching it all. And he can't help me. Maybe, and this is probably the scariest lie is that you just believe God's not really good. There's a lot of people that have believed that lie. That he's just not that good. If he was such a good God, why are so many bad things happening to me in my life? Why why were people able to take advantage of me? Why did why was I hurt so many times? If God's so good, why doesn't he step in and stop that from happening in my life? If he's so good, why is there hunger and war and tsunamis and earthquakes and famine and all kinds of stuff in the world? If he's so good, why does that happen? He can't be good. A good God wouldn't let that happen if he had the power to stop it. And so we can believe that lie, and it causes us just to just say, No thanks, God, I'm good. Because you're not that good, so I don't really need you. Maybe you just feel like God's not real. Maybe you think religion is something that's just made up. You're only here today because it's Christmas and it just feels like the right thing to do to come, on church, to, come to church on Christmas, so I'll do it. But you don't really believe this whole God thing. Religion is something that, that weak people made up because they need something to help them get through life. It's just for the weak. And if you're really strong and you're, you're a go-getter, you can, you can get through this life without God. There's no, there's no God. Or maybe you think, well, maybe there's a God, but we can't really know him. He's, he's too distant. There's no way to know this God. He's, he doesn't care about us as individuals. Like there's too many of us. There's, what is there now? Over six and a half billion people in the world today. He can't possibly care about all of us the same way. You know, being a Christian does not keep you from having those lies in your own head. I'm not just talking to those of you that have never, never really laid down your life and given your life to Jesus. I'm talking to all of us. There, we all deal with this. Wondering if God can help us or if he really cares about us or if he's good to us We can we can always struggle with those lies and that's exactly What the enemy does in our life and I think some of us we get so works or based we get so caught up in trying to To please god and so caught up in trying to impress him and let him know Like I do deserve your love because look how hard i'm working Look how much I come to church and I read my bible and I pray and look at all these good things That's my testimony if you're part of this church You probably know that i've shared that many times my first 18 years of my life. That's how I lived was just trying to please God and do everything right and be a good person. And I just knew if I did that, you know, that God would love me. And uh, I tell you what, that is eventually a recipe for disaster, too, because you realize eventually you'll never measure up. Doesn't matter how hard you try, you're never going to measure up to who he is and his standard in living. And I got to the point where I said, God, if this is the Christian life, you can have it. I don't want it because I always feel bad about myself. I never measure up. I always feel like I'm not good enough. And you can have it. And that's what that lie does. It, makes you, it causes you to feel like you're never going to be good enough, and so what's the use? And you can just give up. And many people have fallen off the, the Christian wagon because of, those, because of those lies. Lies are meant to keep us down and to enslave us. But in contrast, the truth is meant to set us free. Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, these are Jesus' words. He said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free The truth church sets us free. You want to know what brings freedom in your life? It's not hard It's not working harder. It's not being trying to be a better person It's not trying to do all the right things. It's not trying to say all the right things It's not trying to pray more what sets us free is truth Jesus said if you know the truth, it'll set you free We have to know the truth Which means we have to expose the lies And we have to decide in our hearts today, we're not going to believe the lies. But at the end of the day, it is up to us. It's up to us whether or not we're gonna believe the truth or we're gonna believe the lies. So my question that I would ask then is, well, what does God say? What does God say?
2: So I was pregnant with my son, Brandon, and um i went to church with my aunt and at that church um something happened in me uh there was just a a realization in my spirit and i wasn't sure exactly what it was but i realized that it was the love of god and i had never experienced that kind of love before i'd never experienced love before in my life and um when I felt his love. it was overpowering, and I knew I was driven after that to find him and to find the the savior the the hope that that I had always in my life wanted
1: in, a, in an effort to not lose my relationship with my then wife um, I actually made arrangements to leave the military. So in the process of getting out of the army and changing my life around to be with her, my marriage ended. And I realized at that point I needed to be back with the Lord. A friend of mine in the military was a member of New Hope. And I called him up, and I didn't even know where he went to church. And I said, where do you go to church? I need to be in church with you this Sunday. And he told me New Hope, and I met him.
2: Knowing God now, my life has changed to such a degree because before I would have never believed that I could go out and love on other girls. But now I just want to share what he's done in me with people who have dealt with painful situations. The Linda that that is here now is so different that I I don't recognize the person that I was. I don't even remember to a large degree that person anymore. Um, When I think about it, it's very sad. But when I think about who I am now and what I have now as God's child, His love for me is so great, and has transformed my life in such a way that that I can't even explain it. There there are no words, but I I won't say that that I'm not still working on things because He's constantly renewing and changing my life and making me um, making me over and over and over again. And I love that. I love the change that is coming in my life, and I love. The, the renewal, the constant renewal.
1: I've been going to New Hope ever since. And through my um, time at New Hope, I've met people who have nurtured me and helped me to grow. Um, I, I was in a study group and got to do, um, do the book, Wild at Heart, by um, John Eldridge, which it was like it was talking about me. It was talking about all the struggles that I did, where I was trying to get my value from other than the Lord, and it's it's been a process. There's been times when I've struggled and fallen back into those other ways, but the Lord has always come along beside me and, and lifted me up and carried me forward. And over the last 18 years, my relationship with Him has, has blossomed to the point where those lies don't mean anything anymore. Those those things that the enemy was telling me that I needed in my life are no longer important. The only thing really important to me right now is my relationship with the Lord and I now have a woman in my life who agrees with that. And we both love the Lord more than we love each other. And it makes for a very strong and wonderful relationship. And those lies were a thing of the past. Jesus chose to give us everything that we truly need, not the lies that society says we need. And it's, it all started with his birth. It all started with Christmas.
0: Amen. Amen. Yes. You know, those are two very powerful stories of the redemption power of Jesus Christ. I wonder if you relate to either of those stories today. I think we can all relate to some of that. And you know, it is time for us to start listening to what God says. Let's forget about what the enemy says. Forget about what the voices in your head say. Even the voices of other people that will want to discourage you from giving yourself completely... Jesus I can tell you today that he's worth it he's the best decision you'll ever make and some of you in here today you've you've never given your heart to Jesus some of you have have done it but you're you've kind of walked away you kind of you feel like your faith is kind of stagnant and you just need to recapture it you need to recommit today today's the day today's the day to do that don't wait any longer there's a reason that you're here today you may not even understand fully why you came today you might just drove in the parking lot and came in because you thought, hey, it's Christmas, I'll go to church. But I'm telling you, you're here today because God loves you and God cares about you. And he is no respecter of persons. What he did for Frank and Linda, he wants to do for each and every one of us. He wants to help us to walk in that truth that he has made for us. And, you know, I, I think it's it's time that we start understanding the truth of who God is in a more powerful way, to see, to see him in our lives in a more uh, evident way, in a way that that the things that that matter to us that are that are not of him will just start to fall away you know the truth is i talked to you about the lies a minute ago and the truth is that you're loved not hated you're loved by god even if everybody in your life has has done thumps, done things to you that make you feel like they hate you you've been abandoned or or outcast whatever it may be i want you to know today that you are loved by god the apostle paul said in his letter to the romans he said that nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of our God. Nothing can, can, the translation to that is nothing in the world, nothing you could ever do, ever say, ever experience could ever keep him from loving you, could ever change his feelings towards you. You know, somebody said one time, you could never do anything to make God love you more and you can never do anything to make him love you less because it's impossible for him to love you more than he does right at this moment, no matter where you are or what you're doing. You are not hated, you are loved. You're accepted and not rejected. You are accepted. So many of us have dealt with rejection. I hear about it all the time, that rejection causes us to, to respond to life in a way that pushes us away from God. Because we can be afraid that God's going to reject us too. We equate uh, being rejected by our father, we equate that to our relationship with God. That well, God's our father too, so he must reject me too. But God never, ever rejects us. He says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, never will I walk away from you. His, his love for us is so great, and it's because we're His. It's not because of what we've done, it's not because of our, our race, our gender, our socioeconomic status. It's none of those things. He loves us because we're His, because He created us. Uh, The the psalmist David wrote in Psalms 139 that that he knows our innermost being. He created our innermost being. He knows the numbers of hairs on our head. He knew every one of our days before one of them came to be. He knew us when we were in our mother's womb. He knows us because we're his. Because he created us. And the reason he came over 2,000 years ago was because he loved us. He loved you. you. You were on his mind when he came all those years ago. Because that, that's how great he is. He has, the, not, he has the ability to know all of us even before we were here. And, and uh, you know you hear all the time, when, when, we were on the, when he was on the cross, we were on his mind. Because that's who he is. That's the truth of who he is. He's strong enough to be everything you need him to be. The Bible tells us also that nothing is too difficult for him. Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. He is everything that you need at this moment in your life. Everything. Whatever you need, he is that for you. If you need to feel loved, He is the He is that. If you need to be accepted, if you need health, if you need uh, restored relationships, He's all those things for you. He can bring all those things to drive, but He's saying you have to come to Me. You have to give yourself to Me. It's up to you. He is better than you think He is, and He wants to be in relationship with you more than you could ever imagine. He is better than you think that He is. No matter where you are in life today, if you love Him passionately, He's still better than that. If you have doubts about him, he's better than that. He is better than you think he is. Look what he said in Matthew 11. He's the words of Jesus as well. In verses 28 to 30. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many of you could use rest for your souls? Man, I, I was saying in the first service, that is one of the best sayings, one of the most like comforting things in all the word that Jesus would say, if you come to me, I'll give you rest for your soul. Sometimes my soul is weary. Sometimes all of our souls are weary. And he says, come to me, you who are burdened and weary. We've all experienced being burdened and weary. And Christmas season, you can really get burdened and weary because there's so much going on. He says, if you're burdened and weary, that, that covers everybody. He didn't say, hey, if, you, uh, if, you, if you're really serious about wanting to know me and if you read your Bible enough and, and you, you stop with the, whatever you're addicted to and you come and you repent and you, you fast and you say enough prayers, then I'll give you rest. He didn't say that. The prerequisite for him giving this rest is real clear right in that word. The prerequisite is one word, Come. Just come to me. You don't, have to be, you don't have to fix yourself. He says, I'll take care of that. I want to help you. It's a process. You know, Linda said up there, she said, you know, even, even now she's been saved for a long time. God's still always, you know, revitalizing her and, and, and showing her new things and taking her to deeper places with him. You, don't, you know, the, the minute you get saved, it doesn't, all of a sudden the lies don't just disappear and everything's just rosy and peachy from that day on. But you start to learn not to believe the lies. You start to learn to believe the truth. And when the lies come in, you start to recognize them. You're like, when when you hear the lie that says you're stupid, or you're nothing, you're worthless, nobody likes you, you're never going to amount to anything. Okay, that's a lie, because I know what my God says. He says that I'm loved. And he says that he died for me, because I was worth it. So we start to believe the truth more and more and more as we give our life to Jesus, as we live and walk with him. And he says, you can come to me when you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Church, we all need rest. He wants to give us that rest. Some people say, oh, you know, I'll rest when I'm dead. That's not, that's not, that doesn't line up with the word. The word says that you can have rest now, even when life's busy. You don't have to wait till you retire. You don't have to wait till everything just falls into place and everything's working out perfect. You can have rest, even in the chaos. You can have rest in the turmoil. You can have rest, you can have rest in all the things that happen in our life. But he says, you have to come to me. It's up to you. And you know what rest is? It's freedom. Rest is freedom. There's nothing like being free even in the midst of living in this fallen world. And it can be done. He tells us that. He promises us that. He came for freedom. He came to set us free. I just I told you about that earlier in Galatians. It says, "It was for freedom that Christ has set us free, no longer to be subject to a yoke of slavery." We are not called to be slaves to anything in this world except to him. And he gives that to us if we will come to him. But it's up to us. We have to be willing to come to him. You know, some of uh, you hear people say sometimes, you may be saying this too right now. You know, sometimes I just feel like I'm almost to the end of my rope. Almost to the end of my rope. And you know what Jesus would say to that? Good. He wants us to get to the end of the rope because that's where he is. As long as we're holding on to that rope, we can't hold on to him. when we let go of that rope, he's there for us. He, He can't do much as long as we're trying to do everything on our own. But when we say, okay, God, I'm done. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm done as done can be. Jesus will say, finally, thank you. I've been waiting for you to say that. Let me have it. He's saying, come to me. Lay all your burdens at my feet. He says, lay all everything. You can bring anything in your life. You can bring it to me and lay it at my feet. I'll take it. He says, I'll take it. You can bring your shortcomings, your inadequacies, your doubts, your fears, your, uh, your sin, everything. All the, the thoughts, that have, the lies in your head, bring it all to me. Your addictions, bring it to me. Th- those terrible choices you've made or you're making even now, bring them to me. Just bring them to me and throw them at my feet. He says, if you give them to me, I'll take them. And you don't have to worry about them anymore. He says, take my yoke upon you because my burden is light. That's the one you want. You want his yoke, not the one that you have because his yoke is great and he will help us but we have to be willing to do it. I want to give you an opportunity to respond today. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to stand if you don't mind, please. And uh, I'm gonna ask prayer. We have some prayer leaders. If those prayer leaders could come, we're gonna open up the altars, and I really want to ask you to respond this morning. Please don't anybody leave yet. We're we're definitely not done with the service. But if 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 you today would say, you know what, I'm I'm not a Christian. I kind of thought I was because I thought maybe just because I was a good person that I was going to just be able to go to heaven one day. But you've kind of shown me today that I'm probably, probably really not a Christian. Please don't leave this place today without making that decision. It's not, there's, there's no formula. You just come to Jesus. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. The, re- the requirement, in fact, I'll read it here in Romans 10:9. This is the Apostle Paul, his letter to the Romans In chapter 10 and verse 9, he says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the requirement to get saved. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he is Lord over all, that he is God. And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you know, what we celebrate at Easter is his resurrection. If you believe in your heart that God did that and that that he's in heaven praying for us, he says, you will be saved. And Jesus just says, come. Come, lay your burdens at my feet. Come and, and, and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and I'll give you rest. Don't let religion get in the way of what needs to be done. And don't let, don't let where your life is right now get in the way. If you have addictions, if you, if you have made so many mistakes this week that you lost count, it's okay. Just come. Give it to him. Give it to him. There's, he won't reject. There's no one that he will reject. Ever, That's not who he is. When he died, he did it for all of us. So if that's you, I want to, I want to encourage you to come today. And you can, you can pray here at the altar all by yourself. You don't have to come to a prayer leader if you don't want. I gave you, the, I gave you the, the, the formula. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. You can walk out of here a new person, regenerated, saved, and blood-bought. And loving Jesus. And, and Christmas will take on a whole new meaning for you. The gifts, the, the Santa Claus, the food, all that secondary When you know what the real reason is for Christmas But now if you're here today and you are You say yeah I'm a Christian But man I sure do feel like I believe a lot of lies About what Jesus did for me And what what I can be in him I want you to come I want you to come and find rest for your soul You can be a Christian and not have rest It's up to you to choose that rest We have to choose, we have to take it We have to want it bad enough that we're going to do whatever it takes to get it I want you to come today too And these prayer leaders will pray with you if you want Or you can pray here at the altar all by yourself we just want you to, to respond. Respond to the call of God. Today is the day. Today is the day. What a beautiful present that you'll be giving back to Jesus for the gift he gave you on this Christmas Sunday that we're celebrating today. So the altar is over. You can come now.